Welcome to the City Alliance Church Podcast. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our messages. Our prayer is that you would listen, learn, and be inspired to love God, love others, and serve the world. Subscribe and share these messages to bless others. Here's this week's message. Uh, One of the names of God, maybe some of you know this, is Jehovah Rapha. That means the God who heals. So part of God's very character, something that flows from his very being, is the fact that he is a God that heals. It's it's something that he does. And so today, James is going to break down for us divine healing. Uh, What's it about? So let's actually open up to James chapter 5. We're going to be looking at starting at verse 13. You can either open up your Bibles, follow along on your Bible apps, or you can follow along on the screen here where it says this. Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. You know, I think we read these first couple verses, and we're like, that, that sounds pretty good. That sounds like what we're supposed to do. If, if I'm struggling, I, I should pray. If things are going great, you know, I'm going to be listening to some Phil Wickham or Jeremy Riddle and dancing around. Like, that's going to be great. That, I, 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 I'm with you, James, so far. But then he goes on, he says this, is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to, let's all say this together, pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, can we just call out something? I know many of us, we've read this passage for a long time, and it seems pretty normal, but think how odd this is. Like, think about what happens when you feel sick, right? Or, or you're ill, right? It's like, James, like, shouldn't you be telling us to call urgent care? Shouldn't you be telling us to go to the ER? Shouldn't you be telling us to, you know, like, you know, go to WebMD and, like, you know, Google the symptoms? But you're like, you want the, us to call the elders? Like, think about how we feel or look when we're sick, right? And we want all these strangers to come into our bedroom to pray for us. And I love our elders. They're great guys. But that's, that's kind of strange. And then you said, you talk about anointing with oil. What does that mean? Like, you want them to, like, take, like, you know, salad dressing or motor oil and kind of smear it all over? Like, like what, is, what is that about? Like, that could be kind of, a, kind of an odd thing. And, and James keeps going. He says this. He says, and through prayer offered in faith, will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up if he has sinned. He will be forgiven. Now, I think some of us can read that and go, James, what are you saying here? You know, first off, you're saying if I'm sick, I should have a couple, bunch of dudes come to my house to pray, which is kind of weird, and rub salad dressing on me. But, but now you're saying, like, you know, if, if, if I'm sick, if I offer a prayer of faith, that'll, that'll make me well? That sounds kind of sus. That's a little bit like, wait, like, are you saying that if I just... Pray, pray my sickness, it'll go away. Isn't that like what faith healers say? Don't they say that, hey, if I pay some money, then I'll get healed and they'll pray for me? James, like, what are you, what's going on here? He goes on and says this. He says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may, what? Be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Maybe you're, you're reading this and you know, the question that, that pops into your mind, you're like, wait, I thought disease comes from sickness, like bacteria and viruses. James, are you saying that, like, my sin is making me sick? Like, that seems really, I think, especially for us modern readers, it seems very counterintuitive. Like, where is he going with this? And then he goes on, he kind of finishes this section by saying this. He says, Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gates and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not. There we go. And he prayed. Oh, go to the next slide. 
And the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Now, if you've kind of read through this passage, I think many of us, we've read through this passage before, but if you're coming to this passage for maybe the first time, it can kind of go like, what is going on here? Maybe you've got all these different questions. Maybe one of your questions is, wait, but does God still heal today? Like, I know he did it in the Bible, but does he still heal today, like in 2023? Maybe in 8023, but in 2020, does God still heal today? The other question is, is divine healing at odds with science? Like, can we pray for healing, but we have all this scientific, how does it all connect? And then maybe the third question you might be having is this, is why doesn't God always heal? Why doesn't he always heal? Like, there's all these people that are always sick and always praying, but not everyone gets healed, or does anyone get healed? So let me start off with this first question, does God still heal today? So I'm going to give you the short answer, because this could literally be its own sermon or sermon series. Uh, In the short, it's yes. I believe that God does still heal today. The same God that was the God of yesterday, today, and forever is the same God of the Bible. It doesn't say that he's all of a sudden stopped working in a certain way. But oftentimes, you know, that's what we see in the Scripture Because God still heals today. He's still at work today. He's still at work in our world today. And he heals broken hearts, broken souls, broken bodies. Amen? In fact, you know, we're part of a movement of churches called the Christian and Missionary uh, Alliance. And one of our cornerstones is that Jesus Christ, in fact, here's kind of like some of our logos. Jesus Christ is our Savior. He died for our sins so that we could have eternal life. He's our So he transforms us to make us more like Jesus. And he's our healer. He's actually the one that heals our broken bodies, broken souls, and broken minds. And he's also our coming king. He's going to one day come and bring restoration to the entire world through the power of the kingdom. So does God still heal today? I believe he does. I believe scripture tells us that God still heals heals today. He's the same God of yesterday, today, and forever. But maybe the other question you have is, is divine healing at odds with science? I know maybe that some of you that are here today, or maybe you're watching, maybe you're a little bit skeptical towards people talking about divine healing. Maybe you've heard people say that if you really had enough faith, you would stop taking your medication. If you really had enough faith, you would stop taking your treatments. And and maybe you hear those phrases and it disturbs you. Can I tell you something? That disturbs me too. Like when I hear people say those things. In fact, I don't think that God says we need to choose one or the other. In fact, I think he wants us to use both. In fact, James even affirms this. Look what it says here in verse 14. He says this. He says, Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now maybe you're thinking, what's this this stuff with oil? Well, it's interesting because in the ancient world, oil, I have a little vial of oil here, oil was actually used by doctors. This would be in like their little med bags. They would use these to kind of you know, put a little bit on their hands. They would use it to anoint wounds. So actually, there were medicinal properties in oil that ancient doctors would use. In fact, many of us are coming back to those properties today. So James is actually advocating two things. He's like, yes, pray. Call the elders to pray, but also use oil. Use all of the, the wisdom that's there. So here at City Lines Church, we believe that God uses heals using medicine and miracles. We believe he uses prayer and he uses pills. We need to do both. It's a double-barreled approach. God has given so much wisdom and insight to so many doctors all around that we want to absolutely kind of take advantage of all of those things. The other thing about oil, which is interesting, is oil is also a symbol of the Holy Spirit. 
So one of the things that we do is it, it, when we pray for people, we ask, hey, can we anoint you with oil? It's a symbol of the Holy Spirit coming upon you and saying, hey, we believe that God wants to touch you and fill you. And so that's why we use oil often in those kind of situations. So I think that's to recognize that, yes, God uses both science, and the best of science, and also divine healing. The second one is, why doesn't God always heal? And this is where I just need to be really honest with you and say, I don't know. I've been in situations where I've prayed for people and I've seen God heal people incredibly, miraculously. But then I've been in situations where I've actually seen God not heal people. And the same amount of prayer and the same amount of intensities in those situations. And I don't understand why some are healed and some aren't. Now, I've heard some people say, well, you know, it's because they didn't have enough faith. But I don't think that's true. Because oftentimes, when God heals, it's something that he chooses to do. And and I don't know why he chooses some and not others. And sometimes people who have no faith can experience, or have no faith for their own healing, can experience healing. I mean, that's Shayla's story. Shayla was diagnosed with, at first, a pretty mysterious sickness. And when it happened, she's like, you know what, I'm just going to go to the doctor. I'm just going to go get all the, the best medical care around. I don't know if I need to, you know, God doesn't need to really heal me. It'll just kind of happen. But when her pastor came and prayed, it kind of was a game changer for the whole situation. Let's watch her story. It was a Friday night, and I remember the middle of the night waking up and being quite delirious, literally spilling a glass of water in my bedroom, uh, trying to make it to the bathroom because I was going to be ill, and just not even understanding what was going on. And it was quite scary, actually. And... I remember waiting till the next morning before I said to my husband, I think I should go to the hospital. I didn't realize when I went into the hospital, I would not be coming out for quite some time. I remember the doctor coming in to me and being quite severe looking, you know, very sort of serious about what he had to tell me. And he went on to tell me that I have something called fungal meningitis and the form of it is actually called Cryptococcus gatii. And it was as strange as it sounded. A fungal ball had already um, started to grow on my brain. It was 1.3 centimeters at the base of my brainstem. And it was um, replicating itself at a really high rate. And that's the danger with this particular disease, is that uh, it gets to a point where it's big enough, which is three centimeters, that the only way to get rid of it is to have surgery on your brain. And no one wants that. And they told me not only would I be in the hospital for eight weeks, I would be on antifungals for two years after that. For the first three nights, I would find myself late at night at about 11 o'clock, lying in my hospital bed, and I would just have panic attacks. I was actually having a deeply physical response to um, this knowledge that I could die. Lots of people were praying for me, lots and lots of people. And uh, I was so grateful for their prayers. I was grateful for the wonderful medical care I had. But I remember on Friday, and it happened to be Easter weekend, so Good Friday, my minister from my church offered to come in and pray with us, and we accepted that invitation. And he came and he prayed for me, and he said, I think God may want to heal you. And so it was a Friday afternoon that he prayed for me, and I was scheduled for an MRI on the Tuesday following I feel like I had very little faith for miraculous healing. It's not because I didn't believe it was possible. I just thought it would probably happen for other people. It would never happen to little old me in Vancouver. I went into the MRI machine and the next day I got the results. 
And I don't think I will ever forget the day and I can see the doctor's face rushing into our room and saying, are you ready to go home? And Ryan and I were quite confused. You know, we'd sort of set ourselves up for we're here for eight weeks. It was at five and a half weeks. And we said, yes, why? And he said, has no one given you your MRI results? We said, no, nobody's come in yet. He said, we can't find it. And I said, what do you mean you can't find it? He said, your fungal ball has completely disappeared. I can't find a trace of it. It's as if it never existed. And I said, not even the little scar on my brain? He said, nothing. It's completely gone. You can go home today. And I remember the moment, because my husband just fell into my lap, laughing, crying. I was laughing. And I said to this doctor, who I don't believe had a Christian faith like I did, I said to him, I believe God healed me. He kind of shrugged and said, I don't have an explanation. And literally, I went home that day. I have never known that kind of joy. But also, I also know that I've never experienced that depth of gratitude. It's a powerful story. But I think one of the things that when I watched that, what really kind of resonated with me when she said, you know, I know that God heals. I know theologically and philosophically that's true. I don't know if God would want to heal me with my problem, with my issue, with my struggle. But here's the reality. That your Heavenly Father loves you. And He wants to touch you. He wants to heal you in areas that maybe you don't even know you need healing in. It could be emotional healing, spiritual healing, physical healing, relational healing. We have a God whose name is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. And I thought it was interesting too. She said, I didn't have faith that God was going to heal me, but my pastor did. Look what it says, what James tells us. He says, the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. I think it's really interesting that sometimes, maybe you've experienced this where you've come to church and you're like, I don't really want to be here. I don't really feel like being here but I'm here, and then all of a sudden, you hear the other believers around you singing the songs, and all of a sudden, it just does something to your soul. It's like the faith of other people, it kind of like supercharges your own faith. I think the same is true in healing. Sometimes when we don't believe that God would want to heal us, or that God would want to touch us, or that God would want to do anything with our issues, there's people around us that are like, yes, I have faith that God wants to heal you. I have faith that God wants to restore your marriage. I have faith that God wants to restore, you know, the parts of your life that are broken. I have faith. And it's great to have those people in our lives that are praying for us, believing that God will break through. But there's also another side that we need to acknowledge as well. And that's that with every shela that's there where they experience a complete healing of God, there's also people like my friend Rajan. Rajan uh, was a family friend of ours. I had grown up with him as a kid, and I remember when he got married, and uh, Rajan had three kids. He, he actually taught me how to play guitar, um, which was kind of fun. And I remember, uh, you know, one day just I, I had heard that when uh, I think Rajan and his wife were watching TV, and while they were watching TV, I think she got up to go to the bathroom. And when she came back, he had a seizure. And while he was having that seizure, uh, his brain had no, uh, no oxygen didn't go into his brain for a certain amount of time. And so finally the paramedics came, they put him in the hospital, um, but he was on a ventilator. 
He was, you know, all these things that kind of were keeping him alive. And so we prayed. Uh, we, we prayed, our church prayed, our church got people praying all over the world. Raj and his family were from India, so they were praying. And, and so everyone was praying really hard for, for my friend Raj. And he had three small children and another one on the way. So we're like, God, we need a miracle. And, uh, you know, Raj and his wife, they, they weren't, you know, Pentecostals, which is a, a denomination that emphasizes healing. So they actually called all their Pentecostal friends to come over to pray because they were desperate for a miracle. Well, after a number of months... Uh, his wife took him off life support. And I think all of us were like, God, what happened? God, if there was any time where we needed you, this was it. Now his wife's got to raise these small children by herself, and there's another baby that's coming that's never going to meet their dad. Like, God, like, what are you doing here? And that's why when it ever comes to divine healing, there's a level of humility and mystery that we need to approach this. And I think that so often we, we forget that we live in a broken world, and because of that, and if you're taking notes, we need to understand that we live in a tension of power and, and pain and power. You see, I think all of us, you know, if you've grown up in the church, there's kind of two, uh, you know, and a whole spectrum of different traditions that we've grown up in. There's one tradition that says that God always comes in power. That if you pray and you pray in faith, healing is absolute. And if you didn't get the healing, well, it's your fault because you didn't have enough faith. That's, that's one, one tradition. Maybe you grew up in that tradition. But then there's another tradition that says, I just need to ask God for strength to endure suffering. I, I just need to be okay in my suffering. Like, I'm not going to ask God for healing because I just, I just need to suffer. And it's almost this glorification of suffering, as if the suffering comes from God. Scripture doesn't teach us that, that suffering and pain come from God. It's the results of being in a broken, sinful world. And God can use our suffering and use our pain to bring glory to him. But that's why we need to live in this tension, that it's a both end, that yes, God does heal. And yes, God sometimes, he answers our prayer for healing by saying, I will give you endurance to endure your pain, to endure your suffering. And we don't always know which is which unless we ask. For some of you, God may want to heal you, and he's waiting for you to ask. And for others, he wants to give you strength, and he wants to give you endurance to get through the painful trials and the situations to endure the sickness that you're going through. But oftentimes we have not because we ask not. And so I want to look at what James is going to tell us about how do we prepare ourselves to ask for healing. And then he's going to give us an opportunity to actually put James's words into action. The first thing that James tells us is that we are to confess our sins. James tells us that when we come to God for healing, we need to actually confess our sins first. He says this in verse 16. Therefore, Confess your sins to each other. Go to the next slide. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Uh, James is teaching that in some cases, your sickness is connected to your sin. Now, I want to be super, super clear. This is not always the case. In fact, Jesus has even said that not all sickness is connected to sin, but some of it might be. 
Some of our sin actually could be making us sick because we are composite beings. We are body, mind, and spirit. Sometimes our spirit affects our bodies. Sometimes our bodies affects our spirit. Have you ever noticed this if you've ever been injured? That you can sometimes feel even a spiritual depression because your body is injured? We're composite beings. So sometimes what's happening in the spiritual life can actually impact our bodies. And I remember I saw this really vividly um, a couple years ago when I was at a healing service at one of the churches I worked at. And so, um, you know, we had a, pre- a healing service. We had like a, a line of people that were coming forward for healing. And I remember praying for this young woman. I think she was in her early to mid-20s. And so she, she asked for prayer. She's like, you know, I, you know, I have all sorts of diseases, uh, but I have not been able to raise my hand above my head. Like, I just have this chronic pain in my shoulder and my arm. Would you pray for this pain to go away? And I said, Absolutely. But I had just been reading James that day and kind of learning about, okay, the connection between sin and sickness. And so I asked her, is there any sin in your life that you might need to confess? That that maybe anything that's hidden that you need to bring to the light so that you can, you know, experience the fullness that God has for you? And so she kind of paused and she looked at me and said, well, Nathan, when I was in college, um, I got pregnant and I ended up having an abortion. And I've hidden that from my family and from my friends. I just feel so much shame and so much guilt for what I did. And so I just said to her, you need to know that God's grace is, is for you. His forgiveness is for you that when you confess your sins, it tells us in 1 John 1 9, when you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I told this, this young woman, God wants to cleanse you from your guilt. He wants to erase your shame. He says that even though you, what you've done was wrong, he's holding that baby in eternity. And you can walk in freedom, and you can walk in hope, and you can walk in life from there. And so we prayed together that she would be able to confess, and she confessed her sin, and the secret shame was finally gone because she finally confessed it, and it was released. And then we prayed for her, for, for her arm, and it was really cool. Like God actually was able to have her raise her arm. She's like, Nathan, I've been able to do this for five years. And so there's a connection there between this unconfessed sin and her physical healing. Again, that's not always the case. But for maybe some of you here, that maybe there's, 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 there's an area that you're struggling in physically. Is there any unconfessed sin in your life? Is there an addiction that you've been hiding? Because God doesn't want to just forgive you of your sins. He's done that through the cross. He also wants to take away your shame. He wants to take away your guilt so that you can walk in wholeness and in freedom. Again, it says in 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins... He was faithful and just. He'll forgive you of your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Also, James tells us this, this is number two, to commit to earnest prayer. I think it's important to remember that we pray for the sick, but only Jesus can heal the sick. Amen? Like, our job is to pray. It's Jesus' job to heal. That's it. And and so so James uses the example of one of the most famous Old Testament prophets, a man named Elijah. He says this. He says, Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. 
So James was saying, like, hey, there's this guy named Elijah, and, and, and he was just like anyone else. He was a human, mortal human being, but he had a really powerful prayer life. And in fact, if you want to go to the Old Testament, if you go to a city group, you'll have an opportunity to go to First, uh, to, uh, First Kings, where it talks about the story of Elijah. And you kind of read this story, that he was praying for his people to turn their hearts back to God. Because they had kind of followed false gods or following all these idols. So he's praying that they would return to God because because of their unfaithfulness, they've actually experiencing this drought. And so Elijah is praying that they would turn their hearts back to God. And what eventually happens is as God's people turn their hearts back to him, something amazing happens, and that's rain comes down. And people are able to be nourished. And so there, there's something about earnest prayer that sometimes when we pray for something for the first time and nothing happens, we just go, oh, I guess, I guess maybe that's not God's will. But James is challenging us to pray consistently and intentionally and over and over and over again. You know, I think sometimes, you know, many of us, when we pray our prayers, we, we pray things like, you know, God, I pray for healing if it's your will. And I know why we pray that way, right? Because we, 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 like, we don't want to make a mistake. We don't want to pray anything outside of God's will. But I think sometimes we pray that prayer out of insecurity and fear. Like, what if God doesn't do what we want him to do? But I think it's, you know, there's a story that Jesus' biographers have of Jesus where there is a leper, and he's asking Jesus to heal him. And so finally he confronts Jesus, or Jesus brings him over to me, and, and he says to Jesus, Jesus, if you're willing, if you're willing, will, will, you, will you heal me? Look what it says here in Mark 1.41. He says this. You go to the next slide. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Because I believe that God is willing to heal you. He, he wants to heal you. But oftentimes we don't ask. We just assume maybe he, he doesn't want to or maybe it's just not something that is in the cards for us. But kind of like what Shayla said, we may not think that he does. But if we don't ask, we won't know. That's the bold faith that he's calling us to. And so this brings us to the third step, which is actually to take your first step. Look what James says here in verse 14. He says, is any of you, you know, next slide, is any of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. You know, the normal for James is that if anyone is sick, your first step is to ask for prayer. James would say, yeah, go to the ER, go to urgent care, do all those things, but first pray. Let someone know to pray when you first get sick. Prayer is, often our, is never often our first step. It's usually our last resort. But here's the thing about prayer that is so powerful. When it says to call the elders, it's not a suggestion. It's actually a command. It's in the imperative in the Greek. He's like, when you are sick, call for prayer. When you are sick, you need to ask for prayer as a normal part of a follower of Jesus' life. And here's the thing. God does meet his people through prayer. Amen? He doesn't always answer prayers the way we would want him to or maybe the way we expect. But like we heard in worship, sometimes it's a yes, sometimes it's a no, sometimes it's a maybe. Or sometimes God maybe heals us partially and not fully. And what does that mean when that happens? Well, I want to invite a good friend of mine to come up and maybe share his story of healing with our church, and that is Robert Montgomery. If you guys know Robert, make some noise for Robert, everybody. Here, you go, buddy. I saved your seat. Good pick. Yeah, you know, I, um, you don't have a Facebook, so I went to your wife's. 
And I figured she would always have the good ones. She has the good stuff. She does, for sure. Uh, so guys, if, if you don't know Robert, he's been one of our elders. You've been here for a long, long time at our church. Uh, you're from Texas originally, correct? Correct. The yep. great state of Texas, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Robert, let me ask you this. Uh, what were some of your physical symptoms that you were experiencing um, that kind of brought you to a place where you needed healing? Yeah, about a year ago, just started noticing a little bit of dizziness and lightheadedness and really just being out of balance when I was going up the stairs, even if we went on a trail walk or something like that. It's just like, well, this is different, you know. I've had moments of that, but nothing that kind of lingered, and this went on for several weeks. Thought it might have been a sinus infection or something, got on steroids, and in the process, I realized that my hearing in my left ear wasn't as like was way reduced, you know, just from what I was used to. Went through all that stuff, nothing really changed, and so she says, I think we need to do an MRI just to make sure there's nothing going on, you know, that's more serious than that. So I went and had an MRI done, and they discovered a benign tumor behind my left ear called an acoustic neuroma. So um, they did some hearing tests, and I had hearing, I have hearing loss because of age in both ears, but more so on this left side. And um, they do these special word tests. They'll say all these words. Can you hear the S or the T at the end of these words? And I do all this stuff. So the very first test I took, I had about 100% I could hear my right ear, and I had about like 92% of my left where the tumor was. Not so bad. And then several months later through this process, you go back, you check things every six months or so. Did another MRI, the tumor was still there, but it hadn't grown. But my hearing, when they tested the left ear, was down to 68%. Oh, wow. Just picking up the little word verbiage and stuff like that. So that wasn't a good sign. And so it was going to lead to additional things that I might need to have done, you know, potential radiation treatment, things of that nature to try to stop the growth. Gotcha. And so what led you, I know that you asked for prayer for healing on your ear, but what led you to ask for prayer when um, I think Dr. Ron Walborn was here? So when Dr. Ron was here, you know, several months ago, we had a spiritual gift seminar at the church uh, on a Saturday morning and uh, went through all the spiritual gift stuff. So towards the end, you know, just kind of seeing his faith and hearing some of his experiences with healing that he'd had, you know, some miraculous things and some minor things. All I'm like, you know, I should actually pray because one of the side effects is tinnitus or ringing in your ears when you have hearing loss, and that can be super annoying. And so, like, I think I'll just go ask him just to pray for the ringing in my ears. I need to try. You know, yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. kind of a little bit of a Shayla. It's like this kind of happens to other people, and um, not, you know, I need to at least ask. I felt like yeah. I needed to step out, you know, and just have this guy pray for me. I don't really know him that well, and. He prayed over me, touched my ear, and kind of went through that whole process. Uh, and he goes, so how do you feel? And I'm like, man, I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it caught me off guard. Like, what am I supposed to say? You know, like, it, it's gone. Because the ringing comes and goes anyway. It's so like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure. You know, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not sure yet. But, uh, you know, thank you for doing that. Yeah. And I felt his love and... and kind of probably felt God's presence mm. would be a, a safe thing to say just in that few minutes yeah. we spent together. Oh, I appreciate you that sharing that. And I know that a couple, I don't know if it was weeks or a couple of days later, you went back to the doctor. And what did the doctor say when you went through those tests again? So a few weeks later, I had another doctor appointment to do some more testing. And, and the ringing in my ear was kind of still there. And so it's like, that's fine, you know. 
God may or may not heal that. It may, you know, I don't know what that journey is going to look like, right? So I really wasn't too worried about it, too upset about it off and on. Went to a new doctor, more of a specialist in the Danville area, and they set up the same testing again so they get a baseline and do all that stuff. And I had met with a radiation doctor that was going to basically do some radiation treatment to try to kill the tumor. It won't get rid of it, but it'll stop its growth because they don't know what nerves it's going to work on and how, the, how quickly it would slow down the loss of hearing in that ear was the, the basis for yeah. that. Besides doing brain surgery, which is like the last thing I wanted to do to try because of all the nerve damage of trying to cut it out and stuff right. like that. So we go through all the tests. I come back, and Nets with me. We come back into the office, and he goes, just so you know, all the little special word tests and stuff, your right ear scored a 98%, and your left ear scored 100%. Your hearing was 100% from the 68%. On the bad ear? On the ear that had the tumor in it. And again, Whoa. I still have hearing loss, but picking up words, having conversation with people in a noisy venue, those kind of things where it really gets difficult. And I was kind of shocked. He goes, I recommend you do nothing. I don't want you to have the radiation treatment. I don't want you to have any kind of brain surgery. There's risks with all that. You have very functional hearing. We'll come okay. back in six or nine months, and we'll relook at all this stuff again. But it was like, so here I am praying for my ringing in my ears, which is kind of still there. And I think God kind of took me like in a deeper place for like, this is really more important for you. Mm. And I'm going to take care of something that you really didn't ask for that you weren't expecting. So it's kind of a, it was kind of a wake-up moment for me of, okay, God works in mysterious ways. Right. And, and it may be that you have one thing and he's going to look at something else. And maybe it's all tied together. And I don't know what six months will look like, right? Mm. And, and so it was a definite praise. He basically told me, he said, if you'd had the radiation treatment and it didn't work, that sets up severe scarring. Mm. If you have to have the tumor removed after having that treatment, the, the risk of nerves damage and facial paralysis goes up a lot. Yeah. So here's that piece of me I hadn't even really thought about. Wow. And, and, uh, and it's really a praise to God. I don't know what my journey is going to look like or yeah. what it's going to lead or if the healing will go even deeper and, and all those kind of things. But it was... God kind of taking an old stodgy guy that's kind of <laughs> preset in what you think or believe about healing and saying, I'm still a God that heals. Amen. Know? Amen. So. Yeah. One of the things I really appreciate about Robert's story is, you know, Robert didn't all of a sudden have the hearing come back right away. You know, it didn't. And you're probably like, well, Nathan, like, doesn't when God heals, like, doesn't it's 100% all the time? Well, actually, we even see Jesus having, see, having a partial healing in his ministry. Uh, there was a man who was born blind that came to Jesus, um, who couldn't see, wanted to see. Jesus prayed for him the first time, and here's what his, re his response was basically, I, I, I see things are blurry, things look like trees. And so this is what Jesus did. This says in Mark 8, 25, he says, once more, meaning Jesus had to pray for this guy again, once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes, then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. So sometimes when we go for prayer for healing, God heals something we're not expecting him to heal. Like, you know, now you have all this hearing in your ear. You don't have to have radiation treatment. Praise God. But there's still all that stuff. But one of the things that, you know, and we talked about this before is keep coming. Keep going. Because when you come for prayer, 
we want to pray for you, and we want you to experience the presence of God when you're praying so that you're encouraged and that you feel loved and cared for. Uh, that's the purpose of prayer. And God, we're, again, our job, we pray. We pray, and God's job is he's the one that heals, and he chooses how he heals. I've seen people sometimes when we prayed for them for something physical, God meets them in a spiritual way, and, or in a relational way, or an emotional way. And so there's different ways that God heals, but part of it comes from being obedient. Um, one last question, Robert. Can I pray for you right now? Absolutely. All right. Let's pray for you, Robert, here. Father, I just want to thank you so much for my friend Robert who is taking a step of faith, Lord. And Father, I just pray right now that you would continue to heal his ear right now, Lord Jesus. Um, I pray, Lord, that this tumor would shrink completely to nothing and be gone. I pray, Lord God, that um, just as Shayla said, that when they did the MRI, they couldn't see it. It was gone. Pray the same for this tumor in Robert's ear. Father, I also pray that you would remove the ringing, that you would take away the tinnitus, that he would be able to fully hear functionally out of this ear so that he can fulfill your will in your son's mighty and awesome name we pray. Amen. 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 Brother. Yeah. Appreciate it. We here for Robert, everybody? Uh, in a moment, we're going to make space for you to come and receive prayer for healing. Now, maybe you're, you're, you're like Robert, where you're like, I, or maybe Shayla, hey, you know, I know God heals. I see that it's in the Bible. I have friends who've had stories. But would God really want to heal me? Like, I, I don't know if he, if he would. But one of the things we learn in all these stories is that when we take a step, when we take a step of faith and say, all right, God, I'm going to step out. I'm going to come forward for healing. I'm going to come forward and, and take communion and, and confess my sin. He meets you in that place. God always promises to meet us when we take a step of faith. And so we come before God and say, God, I come with expectation. Like, God, I know you're going to meet me, but I have no agenda. And so right now I want to invite our prayer team to come up and our um, worship team to come up as well. And what you're going to see is that we actually are going to have two stations kind of loose around our room here. Uh, over here, we're going to have communion. Uh, and so what we're going to do is, by the way, this is our prayer team. Can we hear for our prayer team, everybody? They're awesome. But over here, we're going to have communion because James talks about confessing our sin. Maybe there's some sin in your life. There's an addiction in your life that's been holding you back. And maybe you know you've, been, you've had your sins forgiven, but Jesus also wants to wipe away your shame. He wants to cleanse you from all of the guilt and the shame that you feel. And so I want to invite you to come forward and have communion. It's going to be a little bit different. We're going to have rip and dip. Don't sip. Um, but you can rip a piece of the loaf. You can dip it in uh, the grape juice. And um, Robert and Nett will be there. They'd love to pray with you over that. And then if you can go from there, and anyone from our prayer team would love to pray for you. They're, they're right here right now, but they may kind of circle throughout the room as well, if maybe you don't feel comfortable coming forward, maybe they'll come in the back or they can come to you. But if there's something that you have, maybe it's a physical issue, maybe it's a relational issue, maybe you've been struggling in your relationship with God, whatever it is, I want to encourage you to take a step of faith, to pray, to ask for God to speak to you, to ask God to touch you, to heal you. And maybe you're like, Nathan, I don't know if I have faith for that. Well, you can borrow mine. 
There's people in this room who have faith that God moves. They've seen the God who heals, the Jehovah Rapha God. They have faith. You can borrow theirs. And when you take that step of faith and say, God, I believe, help my unbelief, he honors that because you've taken a step. So in a moment, I'm just going to pray for us. And then I'm going to invite you to um, move about the cabin. You can come up when you feel led. You can come for prayer. Our prayer team would love to pray for you. Whatever it is. Maybe it's someone in your life. There's someone that's close to you that's struggling with sickness. If you're watching online, go ahead and put your prayer requests in the chat. One of us will go through and pray for them throughout this week. But if you've been struggling with hidden sin or shame or maybe you just need to just come and confess, come and receive communion. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So as we take a moment to reflect, after that, I want to encourage you to come up, whether it's for prayer or communion or both. Lord James tells us that uh, the prayers of a righteous man availeth much, are effective. I think, Father, of the only righteous man who's ever come to earth, and that's you, Jesus. And we know that you're in heaven, but oftentimes we forget that you are in heaven doing something. You are praying for us right now. You intercede for us, Jesus. And we know that when you pray for us, those prayers are effective, impactful, vital. And so we pray your kingdom come in Williamsport as in heaven. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters that are sitting right now. Maybe some of them are afraid. Maybe some of them are wrestling with fear or insecurity. Pray, Lord, that you give them boldness. I think of the disciples who, when they were told to, to be silent about the message of Jesus, they went, what did they do? They prayed. And they asked for boldness, and they asked that you would hand for the miraculous and power of God. And that is what we ask for today, Lord, that you would stretch out your healing hand, that you would stretch out your hand of miracles, Lord, that you would move in signs and wonders, God. But we ask, Lord, that you would meet us here in the small step of faith that we take. We ask this in your son's mighty and awesome name we pray. Amen. I want to invite you, when you feel ready, you can come forward for prayer. Our prayer team members might move around. If you want, we can also speak the word of confession up here. Let's all do that together. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we confess we have sinned against you in thought, in word, and in deed, in what we have done, and what we have left undone. By the grace of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, forgive us all our offenses. By your Spirit, grant that we may serve you in newness of life, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Thank you so much for joining us. We pray that today's message encouraged and inspired you. If you live in the Williamsport region of PA, we'd love to engage you in person. You can find more information on service times, city groups, 
and our incredible kids and youth ministry at citylions.org. That's citylions.org.